go-to man, Israel Dalau! Is he? Is he in? You better believe it. New Zealand Rugby's organised a crisis <laughs> meeting with uh, Stephen Larkin. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the 26th episode of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss fantasy super rugby, the game they play online in heaven. I'm your host, Kagi. Uh, on my 40th podcast this week, Will Woo. Um, <laughs> thank you, golf club. Um, and I'm uh, ringing in from Melbourne to be back with you tonight. Uh, and I have both the lads joining me tonight. Nelson also phoning it in after just finishing up footy training. Um, it's a big session. Yes. So tonight on the pod, we have uh, one 2019 draft rugby champion, <laughs> one 2019 draft rugby back-to-back wooden spooner, and one just all-round no. legend who also no won the 2018 draft but has slipped since then. Uh, I'll let you figure out. <laughs> I'll let you guys figure out who's who. Um, but uh, anyway, let's get let's get into it, Harry and uh, Nelson. Oh, I was I was waiting for you to actually introduce me, mate. Thanks, thanks for oh, the introduction. Well, I was say, which of, which of these descriptions best fits you? Oh, great. Okay, I I uh, liken myself to the guy that won the championship again. That's uh, that's four championships in the last five years and a second place last year to yourself, Craig's. So congrats on your your moment in the sun. But uh, the sun is set. No more. The champ is back. The, the one real I like champ. You said like, I like how you said you likened yourself to uh, the fantasy champ. I think Nelson, he likens himself to a fantasy champ every year. Just, uh, <laughs> he, he ends up on the bottom of the table. I'm, I'm the, the rocks of diamond, mate. I've made finals a lot of times and I've lost a few times. You've only ever made the finals once, so you're just a fluke. That's all it was. That's true. It's true. Uh, my my name in the in the groups now, unfortunately, gets changed to the has been. Um, yeah. well, no, sorry, that's right. We said that has been was was too good actually because that implied that uh, there'd been like <laughs> an era. So it's now the once was or the uh, what what is it now? I don't know. I can't remember. The loser. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> um, and uh, sorry, we... Mister Nobody, Mister Nobody. I think. Yeah, look, I'll take that. I said it earlier. All round legend. Uh, that's fine. Um, but look, I'd be remiss. I mentioned my pod caps, but no, also Harry, he's joining us on his 48th cap, and Nelson um, just he likes to come last and everything. 37 caps for the, uh, for the pod so far this year. So, um, fair to say, we'll with a few deaths and things. Fair to say, we'll be doing another two caps so I can get the half century. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're only doing one more pod for the year, Harry. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, speaking of that, Super Rugby final last weekend. Um, how did you guys find the game? I I really enjoyed it. It wasn't it wasn't a New Zealand Derby or Super Rugby, but I thought it was a really good game. Both teams played very well. Uh, it was finals footy. I, I enjoyed the whole the whole thing. Yeah, look, I think it, it's one of those things. Finals footy, you're not going to have as many tries. The uh, game teams are going to take their points and offer, and I mean the Crusaders did that, so that, that's not necessarily something common for them. But it, it was an interesting game. I think the the Hags actually turned up and they played well. They made a few too many errors when they were close to scoring, but they gave it a fair fair shake of the source bottle. So um, it, it got away from them in the end, but it was it was a good game. What an expression, shake of the source bottle. There it is. Fair shake, mate. Fair shake. <laughs> Fair shake, all right. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was good for the Argies to uh, kind of live up to a bit of expectations. I remember the first year that they came in, we were all pretty pumped for them. But um, I think they should probably calm their farm on all this chat about Argentina should have another another team in the competition already. That's just... Oh, uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, step I agree. Step, all right? I agree. Um, I agree. But, but yeah, so, look, we've uh, we've rounded up the Super... Uh, we've rounded out, out the Super Rugby season. Um but still, uh, you know, check out the website, draftrugby.com, for uh, content that we will be continuing to provide, uh, probably not as frequently uh, now that the season's over, but um, but also to check uh, on how the Draft Rugby platform is progressing. Um, how is it progressing? set up uh, really well, so quickly. Like, you wouldn't believe, like, this small workforce we have in China, they've just, they're working cracking double time. It's awesome. So you reckon you've made more progress than you did in the last 20 weeks of the season, or? Look, um, it's hard to tell. There's just so much progress being made, you know what I mean? Like, we don't, 
we just don't have the stats on that. Um, so okay, I'll yeah. get back to you yeah, on that you're one. Not, um, you're not big for stats, are you? No, no, I'm not. Yeah, really, really not. Um, in fact, I'm sick. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll likely set up uh, the email sign-up again so that um, you can get uh, notifications uh, or like you can get some updates on how the site's going when we hit it, some more big milestones ahead. Um, all right, tonight's menu uh, for entree, we're going to take a dive into the Super Rugby final. Uh, for main course, we're going to look at the fantasy stats for 2019, some interesting insights uh, to how it all panned out. And for dessert, uh, we're going to give out some awards, some 2019 fantasy awards, and, uh, and maybe, a, maybe a couple of bold predictions for next year. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's just let's rip in for entree. Let's. The Crusaders and Haguares. Harry. I'll take this one, yep. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> Smooth. You guys, you guys get the next game, yeah? So I think the question that everyone's asking is who won the fantasy battle, right? Nelson, uh, who won the fantasy battle? Uh, the Haguaros. Ah, so the uh, fantasy champions for 2019, <laughs> uh, the Haguaros beating the Crusaders 435 to 386. Sadly... That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I wish. Yeah. But sadly, like the blue season, that doesn't necessarily you're going to mean you're going to win many games. They actually went down to the Crusaders nineteen to three. So on the scoreboard, not really in it, but that wasn't how the game really played out and in as it unfolded. You had a couple of Crusaders out in this one. You had Ryan Crotty and Scott Barrett both out with hand fractures. You had Braden Enor coming in at outside centre. Uh, with Will Jordan slotting onto the bench, and you had Mitchell Dunshay coming straight into the starting side as well for the Crusaders. Whereas the Haguares, I think they had Moroni, uh, Moyano, sorry, back into the starting side of a Canciliere, and no other changes, right? No, they had uh, Nahual Tatas Chaparro come on to start as well over Vivas. Yeah, that's correct. Cool. Um, sorry, I fell, I fell asleep then, just um, then it's all good. Good. <laughs> So this one, this game was dominated by, by defence. As we said before, it wasn't the, the running rugby that you see a lot of the time in Super Rugby in some of the big matches, but it was an excellent, excellent game nonetheless. The uh, the Crusaders started the game with a real attacking game plan, but after making a number of handling errors and with the pressure that the Haguares was were putting on through their defensive line speed, they had to, to kind of change tact. After 20 minutes, they started kicking a lot more. They kind of shut the game down a lot, slowed it down, kicked for territory and just capitalised on the Haguares' mistakes, tried to take out the, uh, I guess, the passion, the passion that they, they play with. Uh, in terms of how it played out, the scrums was one of the most interesting battles to me. The uh, penalties kind of went either way originally. You had Moody and Medrano trading kind of trading shots early on. And then as the game wore on, the Crusaders really took control, took some real dominance from it. And, uh, and it was one of the areas that really managed to give them some dominance in the field and, and, uh, and cost them three... Or, Brought the Crusaders three points, I guess, off a, a penalty right in front as well. The first and only try of the match. Matty Todd, finals Todd, living up to his finals name. Todd. Living up to his name. The hype is real. Turns the ball over. Dishes quickly out to Sam Whitelock, who's decided he's going to have a dart down the blind side. Makes a line break. The, uh, the All Blacks... Next captain and current Crusaders captain. Then uh, when he was in some space, saw Cody Taylor on his inside, sent the ball back in, and Cody Taylor went over. Uh, very, very good try. I was shitting bricks at that point, as all those players were owned by uh, the super sub Nabung in our fantasy final. But um, it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. There was plenty more action in the game. The one other really big moment I had down here early on in the game, at least, was Matias Moroni in that first... I think it was the end of the first half. He blew an absolute sitting try. He created it all himself. Fantastic run. Ended up being one-on-one with David Avili and just kind of... I think he didn't really know which option he should be taking because he ended up getting a little bit confused and then getting into contact and kind of throwing the ball away. Uh, and, and definitely giving away a big, big opportunity for seven points. Um, and that was... 
that was about it for the the first half. Yeah, look, I, I think there was a few opportunities that the the Jags actually let slip in that first half. As you said, that Maroney one was massive, but there was a couple of moments that were a little bit earlier than that where they were very close to the line and they made, made some similar um, mistakes, maybe not as, as obvious as that one. But yeah, they, they went into the halftime at down three to seven um, after that, that Matt Todd try. Crusaders then came out and decided they were going to take um, every point that was on offer. Most notably, I mean, their scrum was quite dominant, but they had that scrum penalty right in front. Um, and they still decided to, to go uh, for, for Richie Mo to take the points. They had another one a little bit later on where he ended up kicking it from 45 metres out and, and it went over. So they, they really decided that they were going to try and take them on offer, even though they, they were stronger in that set piece. Um, but, I mean, realistically, it looked like it was the right decision for them there. Um, Richie Mo, he ended up with 17 from 17 from all of his kicks in the finals. So that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that proves another reason why he's a big game player, and, and he should get more game time for the All Blacks. Um, I think he was just—he was just—he was just bored. Like he, he knew they were getting to the finals. He was just like, "Look, I'll just—I'll show up when we get there." All right, you know. Carl, you sound a bit possessed right now, mate. I don't know what's going on, but uh, definitely getting some feedback. Yeah. It's because he's underwater. Okay. Um, yeah, look, he, he started. He started the season kicking pretty poorly, um, but yeah, he, I mean, ending with seventeen from seventeen of of those big matches is, I mean, he's on some good form coming into the international season. Um, apparently, yeah, he actually what was it? He changed his kicking technique. Um, yeah, they were saying. Which one of you boys was yeah, basically, I think they, they there was an interview on, I can't remember what pot it was, but they were saying that early in the season he was kicking really poorly and one of their assistant coaches over at the Crusaders encouraged him to hop forwards a couple of steps after he actually kicked the ball and he said it felt really awkward and he didn't want to do it, but basically it helped him actually carry through the ball so much better and it ended up being one of the big reasons he thinks for his change of fortune and obviously he was kicking exceptionally well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we said that the Crusaders, I mean, their, their scrum was pretty strong um, in that early in that second half. Their lineouts actually were pretty woeful. They only won three out of their six lineouts in the match with Lavanini and Petty. Like, they were just basically all over that lineout. And the Jags won 11 of their own 12. So that's, that's 92%, which is massive. Yes, indeed. And look, we were talking about uh, Richie Moe and absolutely killing it. Um, I guess a stark contrast was... Uh, Young Joaquin Diaz Bonisha um, for the Hagiwaras. Joaquin, uh, enjoyable name to say. Um, he was no good. He um... by all accounts, uh, he's taking himself out of the Hagiwaras test team. There, I don't know what's going on with the audio. I've just lost the other two. So while I get that working again, I'll just take you through the rest of this game. Uh, he he was in charge of obviously playing their kicking game and just constantly he would sit so deep into the pocket when he was going to kick that the Crusaders read it very, very easily. Um, the back three always caught the ball on the, the fall and managed to run it back with interest. Um, the, uh, the amount of kick returns that they actually had to attack with with as well as the uh, the seven turnovers they, they won, just meant that there were so many actual attacking opportunities for the Crusaders, and I guess it was a real oh, testament. Boys. Oh, we're back. Hey, it was a real hey, testament. Yeah, boys, hold on, I'll show you, I'll show you where we're at. I think it was a real testament to the uh, the Haguares defence that with the kick returns and the turnovers the Crusaders had, they weren't able to actually score more than a single try in the game. So you smoothly yeah, just like you smoothly saved that uh, you know technology failure on our behalf, right? You just kind of like sailed on, segued on to the next thing. I, I um, did, mate, but you you're, you're, you're blowing it correct. now. You're blowing it now. So let's keep going. Oh, sorry, that wouldn't have even noticed. My bad. Um, all right, well, sorry. No, uh, I guess the last last couple of things to wrap up the game was um, you know I was just trashing uh, Bonisha. Uh, I continued to trash him even when I disconnected. I enjoyed doing it, but uh, Miotti, uh, he he came on late in the game. And uh, whilst, uh, look, they're both youngsters. Miotti is obviously the younger of the two. I think he's 20. He is just an absolute gun. He's, um, he went out there. He was not intimidated at all that the Haguaras were down in, in a Super Rugby final in Christchurch. 
Um, and his attacking game was just so much better. He, he brought it up to the line. Um, he, he almost set one up for Moroni, but uh, he just kind of slid on and went dead before Moroni could drag it in. Um, and it was, a, it was a nice little ship through, but um, just a little unlucky. But yeah, so Miotti, I think, is a one to watch for next year, and that contest will be really interesting um, to see how that plays out. Absolutely. Um, Cap, have we not talked about Pablo Matera until until now? I just just really leaving it for you, mate. How bloody good is he? He was the the man of the match in this one, and um, oh, he just as he's done all year, he just gets stuck into absolutely everything. Um, and uh, also the know, fantasy, I mean, I can't, I can't. also the fantasy man of the match, right? Yeah, just feels fantasy man of the match. The yeah. all round man of the match. Um, you, you can't sing enough praises of old, old Pablo. Um, he, very good. He was he, he was obviously captain last year, and uh, they seem to change captain every year. Didn't didn't you know took it in stride, and he's just been an absolute beast all year. Um, very good. All right, well, let's get to the match stats. Um, Harry, do you want to take us through those? Yeah, there's only a couple that stood out to me. I think the uh, the possession and territory was pretty even. The Crusaders had 45% possession, 43% territory, and I think both first and second half were pretty consistent with that as well. But the defenders beaten. The Jaguares had 27 tackle busts to the Crusaders' 13, which was an absolutely massive difference between the two of them. And then the other one that really stood out was the uh, Crusaders' tackling percentage. They didn't concede a single try, but they missed 27 tackles and only had an 82% success rate. So all the way through this finals campaign, I've been really shocked by how many tackles they, they've been missing and how few tries they've been conceding. They just have this phenomenal ability to actually make the ones that count, whereas the Jaguares had an 87% tackle success and only missed 13 for the entire game. Yeah. No, they really needed to, um, to capitalise on their, their few opportunities, the Jaguares. Um, yeah, they definitely had those big ones slip. Um, so basically, moving on to the fantasy scores, the fantasy man of the match was Pablo Matera. As we mentioned before, he got 54 points. He had 17 carries, 45 um, run meters, four tackle busts, one offload, nine tackles, and one turnover one. Um, for the Crusaders, the next top scorers were Cody Taylor on 46. Sam Wylock on 43, Matt Todd on 39. For the Jags, both Moroni and Kubeli got 36, and Guido Petty got 35. Excellent. Uh, I'd just like to point it out to... Oh, wow, there's some feedback on that. Uh, I'd just like to point out to Harry, who's holding his um, up a note for Nelson and I to try and read on our video chat, that um, when you hold up a note uh, on your phone, it's actually backwards, just in case you didn't know that's how technology works. I actually genuinely thought that you guys were intelligent. You could work out I was saying, go look at the chat. I'm basically saying, Nelson, just stop moving your mic around. It makes a lot of noise. Excellent. Well, with that bombshell, let's uh, let's move on to the main course. Are we still there? We're still here. Oh, good, excellent connection issues. Um, all right, so for main courts, uh, let's um, let's kick it off by looking at the draft rugby fantasy super rugby team of 2019, and that's the regular season, so not including the finals, because we are even and partial. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's just get let's just start in. Well, I will kick us off with the props as I always do. So. Um, <laughs> The top props, uh, Lizzo Guboka, uh, total points 572. He was awesome. Uh, he was very, very good. Um, and we had HJH. Wow, HJH still ended on 511. Incredible. Um, and then for the averages, uh, top averages, we had offered to Anafasi on 45.6. And no, don't, don't worry about those uh, averages. That's what we were working on last night before the uh, sheet update. So just stick to that, that left side column. So I feel like through, finish off that front row with the, the hookers. Why not, mate? Uh, I know I know you know a lot about hookers, but um, you haven't backed <laughs> down in uh, the scrum. So uh, Malcolm Marks, I mean, that's a pretty simple one. 768 points to round out the season. Huge. Yeah, 
Anyhow, moving on to the locks in the back rows, Matt Phillip, he took out the top spot for the locks with 486, just pipping Guido Petty with 485. For the back row, the new legendary Dupree's, Dan Dupree's took out 746, Adi Sevilla got 735, and Akira Yuani got 629. My boy Akira still in there. I cannot believe Akira was anywhere near that list. <laughs> he just he didn't need a rest. He, he played big minutes. Um, he had some he had some slow games, but he just got a lot of minutes and had oh, some yeah. big games as well. I'm sure I might have mentioned on the pod, but what, what about the stat? I think he's um he's played in every Super Rugby game for the last three seasons. But he's started every game for the last two seasons for the Blues. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, huge work rate. And they've lost most of them. Yeah, doesn't know how to win. Uh, maybe that's why he's not being picked. They don't want to bring the losing culture into the All Blacks. But let's keep going. Total points. Halfback, you got Willie Genya, top scored for the total points in the regular season. He had 580 fantasy points himself. Bryce Hegarty actually was the top fly half for the regular season, which how good came out Shut of nowhere. Door. Uh, Bryce Hegarty had 583 points as well, so he actually outscored Will Genia for this regular season as well. And then in the centres, you had Samu Karevi on 8-11. I think he had the most fantasy points for anyone through the regular season by a decent margin. And uh, then Harry, we're talking about individual players, not um, not the Reds like the teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't tell the difference anymore, mate. I can't tell the difference. And at outside centre, you had Anton Leonard-Brown. Anton Leonard Brown on 713 points. Excellent. Uh, all right, well, I'll finish this off with the uh, the flashy guys outside. Um, the outside backs, Harry will love me to say the top outside back of the season, Milani Nanai. Um, Thank God for that Twitter campaign to hashtag get Nanai on. It worked. <laughs> That's it. Um, 734 points and uh, worth noting 1,268 minutes played. Then I also uh, played started every game this year for the Blues. So um, how good is that? I mean, in previous seasons, all we wanted was to get him on the field and uh, this season he came through with the goods. Um, coming in at second, Sebu Reese, 725 fantasy points from 805 minutes. So 468 odd less minutes. Um, and then David Havili with 632 points. He played about a thousand minutes of rugby this season. So excellent. Um, all right, now uh, up. We've just gone through the top uh, Super Rugby fantasy players in 2019, or the, the, the team of the year. Now let's actually have a look at the Super Rugby Club fantasy scores. I was going to say uh, before before we do that, before we go teams, can we just have a look at the best on averages because that some of those things like Akira Yuani, that's great but let's be honest he is only there because he played every minute I want to know who are the most effective players out on the pitch when they actually take the pitch all the best players had rest weeks so that's why a lot of them you weren't naming there if we go back back to the average per game Craigs should we go the same format mate tell us who the front row was let's do it alright uh, the beast 36.8 points per game only from 9 games uh, I'm not sure if Nelson's vacuuming in the background or if that's me. But, um, I'm not moving at all, mate. Okay, I'm getting a lot of feedback, but um, look, I'm sure the listeners will love it. Um, it's all negative feedback as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always, always <laughs> negative. Um, so yeah, the Beast, 36.8 games. He was having a ripper season. Just wanted to really make sure he made the Springboks again for another campaign. So, but he, so that was only from nine games because he was injured. And uh, Alan Alatoa, 35.4 points per game. He played uh, all 16 games for the Brumbies. Of course, there's two buys. And uh, he, he played, I would say, the majority of all those minutes. He was generally coming off most about 70 minutes into every game. Um, it was uh, it was an absolute goldmine to have Alan Alatoa. Um, for the hookers, Malcolm Marks, again, no surprise, 54.9 points per game. Huge. Huge. That's um, he played fourteen games, so they did give him two uh, two rests, uh, Springbok mandated rests. Um, but uh, no, I mean, he, I feel like he scored so well, and he was still kind of leaving it in the tank, you know. So um, anyway, uh, Nelson, let's 
got a lock. Yeah, moving on, we'll go straight into the locks. So there was actually two completely different locks here. It was RG Snowman with 46.1 points per game of his 10 games and Brody Retallick with 36.3 points per game from nine games. So as if you got to think RG Snowman. you got to think RG Snowman is the Sorry. top lock that you want. Like he, Matt Phillip, yeah. good on him, but mate, RG Snowman all the way. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, especially if he's getting good game time and he's playing week in week out. Um, for the back rows, Artie Sevilla takes out that top spot, so he moves up there above Dan Dupree. He got fifty two point four points per game off his sixteen games, where Dan Dupree actually got forty seven points per game off his sixteen games. A full five um, points per game Smith. behind. Sorry? I said a full five and a half points per game behind. It's a big drop-off. Yeah, Quagga Smith slides in there in that third spot with 43.7 points per game off his 11 games. At the uh, halfback, you got TJ Perinara on 42.8 points per game. Off his 16 games, he just pipped Wilgenia for the spot there. Fly half, you had the man that you actually want on your team. It's Bodie Barrett. 49.2 points per game. He was easily the best fly half in the game for the season. He played only 12 games, though, so that explains why he didn't get the top spot in the total points. And then in the centres, you had Samu Karevi still holds that off his 15 games. He had a 54.1 average, whereas ALB, Anton Leonard-Brown, still holds his spot as well, 53.5 average off his 14 games. So both of those guys were massive. Huge. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's have a, a guess as if... Um, let, let our listeners guess who was the top outside back on averages this year. Well, we'll we can, a second to uh, just... We can, um, we can say Milani Nanai is in third place, 45.9 points per game, 16 games. Ooh, the, the slow reveal, I like the it. All right. And in second place, we'll put you out of your misery, second place, Sebu Reese on 57 yeah. points per game from 14 games. Wow, he ended up playing 14 games. I mean, taking part. First place. First place and only played seven games. He didn't make half as many games as Reese, and he slots in with... 0.1 points per game more than Severi Reese. Who would that be, Harry? Well, he wasn't eligible for the second half of the season, was he? <laughs> <laughs> Israel Folau, thanks to Severi Reese's quiet finals campaign. Izzy Folau takes top spot in the outside backs, and I think he actually takes the top spot for the averages across the entire season as well. So he becomes our most effective <laughs> fantasy player, the absolute dirtbag. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. We didn't we didn't need him for the Rugby World Cup or anything. So um, <laughs> nah, not at all. That's fine. Uh, what a, what a good bloke. All right, um, excellent. Well, when we I'm gonna I'm gonna put, tee it up. We'll see if anyone's uh, if anyone is uh, picking up what I'm putting down here. But uh, I believe I what you're every episode. I believe what you're picking you know, up like, is um, the uh, Super Rugby Club fantasy stores that you worked on. You're killing it, Greg. Oh, excellent! It's it's not it's not time for that meal we have after our main course yet. Cool. Well, how about we do that first? Um, so we're going to look at the Super Rugby uh, Club fantasy scores. So um, you know, how did you how did your teams compare? Uh, it's, we found it really interesting every week to see how our teams compared to the Super Rugby clubs. But um, let's have a look at the uh, yeah the scores. Um, so who tops? Which which um, Super Rugby club? Do you think the listeners uh, topped Fantasy uh, <laughs> Super Rugby 2019? You keep asking them questions. Are we just going to wait for a reply? Or... No, I was, desperately trying to, I was desperately trying to find the info again. All right, I've got it. Um, what, so, what I love about these stats before you reveal is that of the top five places, it's all the top five Kiwi teams. They have the highest average just, points for the entire competition. Just, just ruin it off the bat, but that's fine. No, I, I don't think that will actually surprise uh, surprise many of our listeners. Uh, I mean, I, we all say every week that we, we watch uh, and play super fantasy super rugby for the Kiwi teams. Uh, I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, but what is surprising, though, is that um, if by now you had guessed the Crusaders were the top 
fantasy scoring team in 2019, you'd be wrong. Um, very surprisingly, I actually, just uh, before recording the pod, I had um, Harry give me a couple of guesses. Uh, I think he got it on his six, six guess. So, um, fifth, fifth. You know, might surprise me. I didn't go away from any care what you're doing. Yeah, okay, no, like, true. That's, that's big. Um, yeah, I don't know how you picked them last, though, out of all the Kiwi teams, but. Uh, the Highlanders, the mighty Highlanders, uh, they topped the season on 7,691 fantasy points, so that's for a starting 15, and that um, that put them at an average of 481 points per game uh, of 16 games, so that's it's, a mate, pretty it just, bloody good... Uh, it just proves if all the stadiums had closed roofs, then fantasy football would be doubly as good. Exactly. Um, and it also proved that, that they shouldn't have played that last game out in wherever they did that wasn't under the roof. I was not happy about that. I was heavily relying on the Highlanders, but, you know, kind of everything. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, look, I guess the big surprise uh, will be the, the next team. I, at first I, would, I was just going to read it out in order, but they actually drew. So the next two teams, again, obviously Kiwi teams, the Crusaders and the Blues drew on 471 points per game. And seven hundred and uh, seven thousand five hundred and forty-two points, um, which is huge. So uh, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Um, and then look, speeding it up, coming in fourth, the Chiefs, seven thousand four hundred thirty points, of four hundred sixty-four points per game average for the season. The Canes, seven thousand two hundred ninety-one, with a four fifty-six average. And from there, I'm not going to go through all the points, but I'll just read them out. Uh, the, the Bulls came in at sixth, the Tars at seventh. I don't know how. That's ridiculous. Um, the Lions in at uh, eighth, Sharks at ninth, Rebels at tenth, the Reds at eleventh, the Haguares at twelfth with 6,463 points. Um, and then the Brumby, uh, Stormers, Brumbies, and Sunwolves to round us out. The Sunwolves scoring 5,615 points fantasy points this year so uh less than yeah you know, the, the highlanders were more than 2000 100 odd point um so um i guess in terms of putting that averages the sun Wolves averaged 351 points per game so not particularly great compared to an average of 481 excellent well with that i'm sure i've given harry enough time to uh to set up his his one job so we finished concluding the main course, and I believe it's time for. What you got? What you got? Do with that dessert? Do what? Do what? Do that? Do that? Do that? Do what? Do that? Do that? Do that? Do what? Do that? Do that? Do that? Murder that! Murder that! Dance floor! Dance floor! Can I be uh, just honest to the listeners here? One of you guys wrote this in the notes that we're actually doing desert. We're not doing dessert. So everyone needs to know that. So this is our desert section. <laughs> Kaki, it's definitely you, mate. <laughs> Look, I can't uh, confirm or deny that. You can't spell. Is that what it is? Let's uh, let's kick on, fellas. Let's kick on. Come on, we've got some awards to give out, and then we've got a few predictions to make. So, right, well, look, I just crushed us through that last bit. So, Harry, why don't you set us up with uh, some some dessert and um, take us through the first, uh, maybe the first two awards? Okay, too easy, man. And uh, look, I'll, I'll throw out the nominees, and then I want to know who you guys are voting for. So, I've got the Rocks or Diamonds Award. So, basically, which player can go massive and then just go completely missing between games? Your nominees are number one, Sevu Reese. He had fourteen games. Six of them under 30, five of them over 98, and then the other three were in the middle there between 35 and 68. Nani Laumape, from his 16 games, he had six under 30. He had five kind of between 40 and 60 and five over 67, so kind of big mixed bag there. Pablo Matera, 17 games, seven of them, though, were under 29. Ten of them were over 35, so maybe not as big of a split. DHP, Dane Haylett Petty, 11 games, 6 under 23, including a 7 and a minus 8. 4 over 50 points, including 2 over 60. And then you had Samisi Masawera, 
on 14 games. He had seven games under 25, including three with single-figure scores and a minus 23. Then he had a couple of 38 and a 57, and he had five scores over 70 as well. So, boys, you got Sebu Reese, Nani La Mape, Pablo Matera, DHP, and Samisi Masawera. Who are you voting for, Kagi? purely because of what I expected from him this season and because I'm not prepared to give Samisi Masarawa any awards other than uh, the biggest bum of the season, even though he I'll, killed it. I'll, um, I'll not do what Craig's did. I'll actually listen to the point that this is for rocks or diamonds, not for what you expected. And I'm going to go for Samisi Masawira. So he's a man who had 5 over 70 and he had minus 23. That is enormous that is the worst rocks and that is some pretty good diamonds so i'm going to stick with him yeah look i'm going to second that samisi masawera he's so inconsistent that even when he had had five scores over 70 we still didn't want to pick him just an absolute bum He, um, he literally i reckon he just did it because he wanted to um you know, see how far, how many weeks we would say that he's he's still not a good player for. <laughs> and, and we kept going all season. Oh, yeah, we can keep it up. All right, so Samisi Masawera, the Rocks or Diamonds Award. So in contrast to that, we got the Mr. Consistency Award. Uh, 30-point Todd has been a, an obvious nominee in the past years. This year, though, we've got three nominees. you got Artie Sevilla, 16 games. His average was 52 points. He had only one score below 40 points as a starter and one other score below 40 points off the bench. Both of those are in the 20s. And his top score was an 86. Milani Nanai with 16 games, a 45 average. He had four games under 25, 12 games over 39. So a few a little under, but generally speaking, pretty consistently between 39 and 60. And then, yeah, the last nominee is Malcolm Marks, 14 games, has the highest average at 54.9 of them. He had two scores below 40, just like Adi Sevilla, a 23 and a 37. And his top score was a 99. Gentlemen, Nelson, you're first. Who's your vote for? I'm going for Malcolm Marks. Look, he had the highest average of all. He had two under 40, but one was almost 40 anyway. So he only had one pretty junk score throughout the, the year. And, and with the highest average, for, for me, he's got to be that consistent man. I'm going to be really boring and just agree because, uh, I, as I said earlier, I feel like um, I feel like he, he left heaps in the tank, Malcolm Marks. I don't think we were seeing nearly any of his best performances and yet he still managed to average 55 points per game. It's just downright scary. Look, I'm going to disagree on this one. I'm going Artie Sevilla, only because he would have started four or five games off the bench this year, and only one of them did he score under 40 points. So any man that can put up huge scores like that off the bench is all right by me, but I've been outvoted. Malcolm Marks, the Mr. Consistency Award for 2019. Done. I like it. But I'll roll us through to the, the top round scorer. I mean, we'd all be surprised if it wasn't this man. 122 points in round 17. It was when the Crusaders defeated the Rebels 66-0, and it was Sever Reese. He bagged himself three tries. He made seven line breaks, five tackle busts, and ran in 137 run metres. He also assisted a try and threw an offload in that match. So, Weapon. I mean, does anyone come close to that, boys? Uh, Other than Sever Reese. Yeah, I was going to say. There were two scores that were, that were close, but um, Nelson's just throwing it up there to uh, see if any of us have, can actually remember one. But no, I remember there was definitely like maybe a 118, a 113. So, um, yeah, no. Yeah, I was going to say, Sever Reese has got something like four scores over 100 or something. He's just outrageous. Emiliano Buffelli. Buffelli had a big score just before the end of the season. He scored 100 as well. I think he scored a hat-trick one game near the end there as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Braden Enor, I yeah, think, I got 102 say... points in the same game. Yeah, that's right. It was the contest of uh, who could score more, and, and Braden Enor just dropped to like a fourth try. He would have had that Ryan Quaddy, that elusive Ryan Quaddy we were waiting for this yeah, year. Yeah, not I one. one. I think one. Re- did Rico get one or not? No. Really, really early? No, none. Not one. No, Rico didn't get any really early, mate. <laughs> he, he got a hat trick early, but he's still like 
no fantasy points for some reason. <laughs> like, I thought it might have been a Ryan Quaddy, but no, it was a hatchery. Um, yeah, no, I love that uh, Sever Reese is like, well, I think four of his first five scores were all over 100 as well. <laughs> his average was just insane. Yeah, he started off with actually more points per, like, more than one point per minute at the start of the year, or his like, first four or five games. Absolutely crazy. Hmm. So the, the fantasy player of the year, we've done this for the top total, and that was Artie Sevilla. He played 16 games, and he got 839 points. My boy. So he, yeah, he was he was consistent, and he played good minutes when he was on the park, and he, and he was dominate, uh, dominant throughout the match every single first time. Pick. Harry's yeah. first pick. He was, actually, yeah. How's that? From eighth position, had the uh, top player. It's not bad. There's a few few guys that fell off there. Israel Folau, Damian McKenzie, uh, a few other ones that fell away in that, that first round. The best average for the year, speaking of him, Israel Folau with his 57.1 points per game from his seven games, all at the start of the season. Oh, mate, he'll do anything to, uh, to maintain in the press. So, you know, if we're talking about him, he's, uh, he's succeeding, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. We better move on. I don't, right, I don't um, want to talk about him anymore. Right, so I'm moving on. Yeah, true. I'm moving on to uh, most improved players this year. So, um, one that comes to mind, uh, Bowden Barrett, forty-nine point two points per game. That's a huge average. I, uh, I think the, I mean, he's first of all the increase from 2018. He was on thirty-three point one. So, um, his his points per game is seventh, and it's from twelve games. But uh, that's comparing to he was sixty-seven. In uh, oh sorry seventh overall points per game with forty nine point two and he was sixty seventh overall with thirty three point one in twenty eighteen. Wow! Um, so that's a huge increase and I guess uh, yeah we've always always expected like we've always known Bowden's really good and uh, certainly a capable fantasy player but he's kind of lived up to it this year so. Um, and he was six be, points uh, higher than Richie Moe as well. Yeah, I was going to say it'd be interesting to see where he goes next year. Hmm. Um, other players we've got. Dan Dupree's, that's a pretty obvious one. Uh, he just had to, I don't know, sabotage his brother, take his knee out or something so that he got all the game time and attention. Um, well, we, we're not even sure if it was Dan, to be fair. <laughs> that's true. That, that's true. It's, it's still, it's, you know, the, the jury's out. It could have been either, it could have been, could have been John Luke just playing the whole time. Um, <laughs> they probably just share the load. I reckon they just, you know, pretend one of them's injured and they just played half a season each. But um, anyway, he was on. He was on 47 points per game from 16 games, um, and that's a big increase from 2018, 32.3 points per game from 11 games. Uh, and then we have the big man, R.G. Snyman, 46.1 points per game. That's pretty huge from 10 games. Uh, and in 2018, he was at 28.8 from 14 games. So uh, he was he was the best lock by basically 10 points clear. He was 9.8 points clear um, and I guess look, part of that has to come down to Lude Diaga being injured the entire season I, I don't know if he lasted was it the, I think he went out the first round Diaga but um, he definitely didn't go out the first round mate. <laughs> that's, that's hearsay yeah he played way more than that I'm sitting, I, I was so long ago I can't even remember um, but there you go uh, Archie definitely stepped up in his absence yeah um, way longer mate he played two right. rounds yeah, huge. That's 50%. <laughs> so, there we go. Um, all right, Harry, how about you uh, take us on to then finish out, finish us up with the last two? Should, should oh, we have a vote? Well, yeah, well, mate, I was going to say my vote's on uh, G. Snyman. Look, I'm, yeah, that, we, that, that, we need to do that, didn't we? <laughs> I'm going to say Dan Dupree's because Dan, for me, he didn't get a lot of game time. Uh, he just hadn't really earned a starting spot. And, I mean, he really made that, that spot his own throughout the year. And he was came in leaps and bounds. We all knew R.G. Snyman was a freak. We all knew Bodie Bode Barrett was a freak. They're all, for their own right, could be up there. But for me, I'm, I'm going to go for DDP. All right, Craigs, come on. Yeah. Break the deadlock, mate. I know. Well, I, I want to say RG Slime, but I'm actually also going to go with DDP. I just think, um, yeah, he, he really stepped it up. If it if it isn't John Luke playing, and Harry, this isn't just to disagree with you, mate. I know I can see that face you're making. <laughs> Harry's just like, no one just wants to agree with me, but no, um, no. DDP was huge. Wrong. I think. I mean, he put himself into Springboks contention. I mean, obviously he's not going to be starting over Dwayne or whatever, but he um, he had an absolute ripper of a season, and uh, it's uh, too bad that uh, both brothers are leaving next year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Kicking on so, the yes. Rookie of the Year. Uh, there was only one man that I had up for this, and that was Sebu Reese. 798 total points, which was third overall. 57 points per game on average, which was second overall by point one of a point. He had 0.76 points per minute when he was on the park. He had four games over 100 points with a top score of 122 points. There really was no one that could compete with that. Guys, yeah, have, I think you're right there. Do you have anyone else there that you'd put up? There good players. There was a few other good players there. Brett Anna was quite good, but, I mean, no one, no one can come close. Will Jordan was good, but Sever Reese, he, he just did it week in, week out. And, and I mean, top scorer, um, huge average, has only point one off the, the top average for the year. Um, we knew a bit about him before the year started, but, yeah, I mean, he, he stood up really um, on his own this year. Agreed, agreed. It's hard to argue with those numbers. All right, the yeah, last... The last award we're going to call the uh, Nelson Dale Most Disappointing Award. Uh, <laughs> we've got we've got five we've got five nominees: Michael Little, Waisaki Naholo, Amanaki Mafi, Warwick Halant, and Damien Valemsi. Now, just to give you a little bit of detail on these ones. Michael Little only got to play five games. Sorry. Yeah, he only got to play five games for a 25.8 average. Whereas last year he played... surprises me. Yeah, I know. Last year he played 13 games for a 51.3 average. So a 26-point drop. Waiseki Naholo this year played eight games for a 23.3 average. And to be honest, he bumped that up a lot in the last couple of rounds. Um, yes, surprisingly. In 2018, he played 16 games for a 47 average, so a 24-point drop for him. Amanaki Mafi played only three games at a 25.3 average this year, was unseen. And uh, in, six, in 2018, he played 16 games for a 46.8 average, so a 21.5-point drop there. Warwick Hallant, 12 games at a 23.2 average compared to last year playing 15 games and a 45.4 average. Another 22 points dropped off there. And your final nominee, Damien Valemse, played 14 games this year for a 27.3 average. Last year he played 11 games for a 42.2 average. So there's a 15-point drop off there. Fellas, let's say Kagi, who are you voting for? I'm voting with the heart. Damien Valemsi. I was just so disappointed um, by him this year. Uh, I was, he was probably one of the players I was literally most excited about. I know that's a massive call. Um, that's obviously putting aside every Kiwi player that exists. But, um, no, he just, uh, you know, I mean, you saw little flashes of it when they did insert him into 10, kind of in the last uh, 15, 20 minutes of the game. Um, as Harry would just say, he just get, get the ball in his hands, you know. Like, when he, when he gets it and he's... Um, He's attacking the line hard. It just puts other teams in absolute shambles because they have to commit so much defence just to manage him. And he either still beats them or he gets it out wide. So I was really disappointed. I know they like him kind of at a fullback and obviously that responsibility of, of giving him some time there for the spring box. But I wanted to see him at 10 and I was super disappointed by his season this year. No. Yeah, look, I... Um... Oh, hear me out here. I've got two people, but I'm going to narrow it down to one. So the two people that really I found disappointing were, were the guys that we gave them chance after chance. We all got excited about them. It was more than once. It was Amanaki Murphy and Michael Little. Everyone picked them up throughout the season, thinking that they're going to be the answer for, the, for their team. Amanaki Murphy, he also was disappointing with everything outside rugby since last season. Uh, he couldn't travel with the team because of it. But I'm going to go Michael Little for me. He, he's had the biggest drop out of all the, the players there. And we just didn't know when he was coming back. So he broke hearts of everyone every single week. So he's, he's the, the nominee for me. Right, obviously battling we, with, um, with concussion all year, which makes it pretty hard. Did we mention that, that he's the son of... 
Do we mention that he's the son of Walter Little? Just um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, we did miss that. We did miss that. I'm um I, I I think you make a good argument on Michael Little Nels, but I'm going to go with Kagi Damien Valempsi purely because he was on the park, he had opportunity to do something, and he just didn't. So he was my and to be he, the other thing was he was the ninth overall pick, my second pick in the overall draft. So no one else went anywhere near that high. Most disappointing of the year goes to Damien Vilemsi. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, look, I've, I've got a nominee for the name of that award, the Israel Folau Award. <laughs> I actually thought we had, our original name was good. Yeah, I'm going to have to vote for the original name as well. Just, um, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. out. That's, that's 2v1, two, two right. sorry, mate. M- moving right along. <laughs> All right, moving, moving <laughs> as, right along. As Harry writes the, writes the name. <laughs> so, guys, the last thing for the year is the predictions for 2020. So, first question I want to put to both of you, and Nelson, you can lead this one first. Who will be the best fantasy player of 2020? And is there anyone else in particular that you want to keep your eye on? Yeah, look, I, I think there's going to be a number of people that are going to get their chance next year. Obviously, a lot of people are going overseas. Um, none more so than you look at teams in, in Aussie rugby where there's going to be a lot of young guys coming through, but they just don't seem to have the ability to stamp their name on, on the competition like the Kiwis do. So, I mean, you've you really got to lean towards the Kiwis. For me, I'm tossing up between two. I'd love to think it was going to be Sever Reese. Um, he ended the season not as well as he, he started it and for me that's something where I'm going to step away from him as, as an outside back a dominant runner on the wing he, he might be someone that you see as that second year syndrome team start to mark up on a little bit more and, and figure out how he plays so for me the one I'm going to go for is Artie Sevilla uh, he's just improving year in year out doesn't matter if teams know how he's going to play. It doesn't matter who he comes up against. He's just he's an absolute freak, and he gets his work done on the winning side and the losing side. It doesn't really matter for him. The only thing I worry about with Sever Reese is Matteo coming back. Yeah, he's got a lot of competition there. I mean, it even might mean he shares minutes rather than, I mean, he could still be your first choice because he was so good this year. But he's got Will Gordon to contend with, Avili, he's got other guys there. So it's a lot more competition than for Adi Sevilla. Yeah, Kagi, you with us there? No, we've lost Kagi by the looks of it. So um, I might just take over then. <laughs> uh, look, the, the guy I had was Malcolm Marks. He um, He's hanging around for the future. It doesn't matter if the Lions drop off. He seems to be an absolute weapon no matter what, and his game's reproducible. My worry with Artie Sevilla is he's such a high-octane player that if he has a 10% drop in, in uh, energy that his points will drop. I, and I just can't see anyone being as dominant across the park as what Artie Sevilla was in Super Rugby this year. I feel like he's really working hard to get a starting All-Backs jersey for the World Cup, and that motivation won't be quite as strong next year. So I think Malcolm Marks will probably have it all his own way over in the Lions team, and they'll be looking for him to, I guess, uh, dominate a little bit more with their rolling mall as well, considering they're going to have some young backs as well. Well, I... I... I've got something to actually say on that. You know, you know about Malcolm Marks' uh, new contract? No. So he's actually, after the World Cup, going over. Um, he's, he's playing, I think he's playing in Japan. Or he's he's going to probably miss the first half of the Super Rugby season, was my understanding. Um, so no. he's going to have to make that return uh, from the bench more than likely rather than walk straight back into it. But no, as far as I understand, he, he's got one of those flexible contracts and he won't be there for the entire season. Well, that's not good. I'll, I'll have to go to my option B then. My option B is going to be uh, none other <laughs> than, obviously, Dane Coles. I just remember what a huge weapon he was a few years ago when wow. he was fit. And I'm thinking if he can get a, a good year under his belt... I'm expecting big, big things from him. I'm taking it you can't hear me. Oh, we can now. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're back, mate. He's had so many injuries in recent years. 
2020 is easy. He does have a few good hookers around him. Suppose that. I said 2020 is his year. So you're taking him early in the draft then? Absolutely. Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to be uh, boring and um, I'm just going to pick Artie Sevilla as well. Um, So conversely, conversely to what Harry just said, one thing that I think is unfortunately really good for New Zealand rugby um, is Sam Kane's comeback. Um, Just the fact that you have these two world-class blokes competing for that number seven jersey. I don't think it's going to be one of those scenarios where Artie's um, he's done after after this year, you know, another World Cup campaign. Um, I think you know he, he's going to want to try and you know make make take that jersey and, and be the starting number seven. Um, so I, I think I we're I still still think we've got a couple more years of Artie, and if if, if nothing, he's probably still just going to get even better. So um, also uh, one thing that could go against Tane Coles is he will be 33 next season. Yeah, and also, he's like a fine I mean, wine though, isn't he? He'll be battling Asafa Amua for game time by then, surely. I mean, yeah, Asafa Amua can't throw straight in the line out. If he can't sort <laughs> that out, he won't be battling anyone for game time. Dane Coles will be injured most of the year. Just get a prop to throw it in and uh, play a Safra Mood hooker. It's fine. Uh, right. No worries. Well, it sounds like Artie Sevilla is the favourite to go back to back. So we'll move on from there. Who will be the best team in each conference, fellas? We just want to get one team. Don't tell me about all the other ones. Tell me your one team and why. Shock on first. Uh, Crusaders in the New Zealand conference. Um, just because, well, no, um, no reason they won't be. Um, I've got a few, but let's go on. <laughs> Yeah, no, just just Crusaders, mate. That's done. Um, I hadn't really thought about the other conferences. I just wanted to jump in and say the Crusaders first before you guys. But um, all right, well the the Aussie conference, um, they're all terrible. Karebi, the, the Reds are the Reds not playing next year because Karebi's left, or are they, do they still actually? Um... Yeah, correct. The Reds are going overseas. All right, well, look, just to turn it around, uh, I'm going to go the Brumbies again. Uh, sorry, and when I say again, I mean purely because I think I ranked them in like fourth this year. So just going <laughs> to get ahead of the curve this time. Nice. The Brumbies. Um, they've still got TK. Choo-choo. So it's all good. Um, and then the South African Conference. Uh, which teams still have any players left in the country? Um, you know, the Stormers actually seem to have like signed a lot of their key players remarkably well compared to, I mean, the Sharks, the Lions are losing a few... Bush the bull, I mean, oh, I was going to say the Bulls, but they but they lose Pollard and they get back like fifty year old Mornay Stain. Um, yeah, you should you should never have um you should never have gone so early on this. Yeah, Bosch Bosch did just sign for the Blue Bulls. I don't know that that means he signed for the Bulls though. Wasn't yeah. this Roman? I thought he was going to go to the Stormers, the Stormers or something. Yeah. Um, uh, well, look, I've got to pick a team, don't I? So um, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go I'm going to go the Stormers actually purely because as I said they seem to have signed a few of their pretty key personnel which I was very surprised at okay Nels look I, I find it hard to argue with some of those the Crusaders I, I just can't see anyone getting on top of them um, so I'm going to say Crusaders to, to take it out the only one I, I, I really would like to see or, or think could fight them would be the Hurricanes but I mean I think common sense here is going to prevail for me. I'm going to stick with Crusaders. For the Aussie Rugby Conference, um, Tars are losing some pivotal players. Rebels are losing both their 9 and 10. Um, the Reds are losing their entire team in Samu Karevi. Um, and I just don't think James O'Connor could fill that slot. So I'm going to have to stick with the Brumbies. Um, they're going to be the most consistent team uh, in terms of their not too many changes from their key players from this year. Um, and... I'm going to do something that I think is, is out there for the South African Conference. I'm going to go to the last place team this year, the Lions. They have a lot of young talent coming through, and some of them are generally just some of the most exciting people in South African footy. Um, they, they showed it on a few occasions this year. So if they can have a good preseason, they can get those guys firing on the same page. We know their, their home field's been something that was a bit of a fortress for them in previous years. So I, I think they'll go and uh, they'll, they'll work their way back. Um, 
in saying that, I, I was thinking of South African teams, so I was ignoring the Jags. I'm going to stick with the Lions. Yeah, okay, look, I, I, I hope. I hope you. I hope you're right about the Lions. I um. I think it's going to be a very young backline, but a very exciting one. So, personally, I think the Haguades are going to easily top the conference next year because just so many South African players are drained out. I don't think it matters that Pablo Matera and Lavanini are going overseas. They've um. They've just got depth for days at the moment. The Argentinians. Um, so I think. Can't take mine back. No, you can't. No, 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 mate. No, 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 no. You've gone stormers. It's in. We've logged it down. We'll come back to this next year. And uh, and look, I think it, it's like in terms of actual South African teams, I think the blue, the Bulls have probably got the most stable roster, so I think they're probably the most likely to come second. Um, then in the Australian Conference, look, I agree, Brumbies all the way. I think they've got a, a good coach. They've got a good setup where they manage to uh, hold form regardless of who they put into jersey. So I think they're very likely to go top again. Um, and there's just too many holes in the other teams. Everyone else is rebuilding a little bit. I disagree with the Crusaders. I genuinely do not think that they're going to top the conference next year. I think it'll be the Hurricanes year, maybe the Chiefs year if they can really pull it out. But... I'm assuming that Razor Robinson isn't the coach, number one. I think he's probably the top dog for the All Blacks. And then on top of that, you've got guys like Sam Whitelock gone, Kieran Reid gone, Owen Franks gone. They've just got so much of their core spine leadership group leaving. Brian Crotty's gone as well, that I just really think that it's going to be a big change for them next year. And when teams are as good as these other New Zealand conferences are, I don't think that it's going to be enough for them to top it off next year. I think the three peaks as far as they go. So Hurricanes to top the New Zealand conference. I think Razor just yeah. signed for another two years with the Crusaders. No, 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 but he's got, an, he's got an interview with the All Blacks, so if he gets the All Blacks job, he's gone. No, it'll be Fozzie, mate. Fozzie's going to take that. We'll see. Fozzie. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think the Crusaders, the All Blacks are going to look to do something slightly different from what they've been doing. So they'll, they'll look outside the, the structures that they have there now. And, I mean, it, it could be early for Razor Robinson, but, I mean, he, he's proven that he can get the best out of players and he, he's got a good tactic and is definitely a good coach so it would be interesting to see him there for the All Blacks and they'll, they'll definitely lose a fair bit um, did you mention Harry, the, the Chiefs coach next year that's going to make a big difference yeah well that's that's kind of what I was what I was leaning towards in terms of them having a big improvement with um, Warwick, uh, Warren Gatlin's coming over the thing that remains to be seen for me in that one is just if his style of Warren Ball actually fits the Kiwi rugby mould but, um, uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. It'll be more interesting to see if they get uh, how quickly they get Brent Gatlin to uh, move up to the Chiefs. Um. I actually think Debrasini probably fits his game plan very, very well. Man, yeah, I reckon Debrasini... Good play for Australia, to be honest with you. Do you want to go? Anyway. Yeah, see, it's been one more year over there and then come up to Australia and play for us to, until the next week up. That's fine. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. All right, guys. Last question: Who wins the comp in twenty twenty? Crusaders. <laughs> I'm on the bandwagon. Nelson. Oh, it's hard not to be. Um, I feel like it's a dynasty, and a dynasty has to end sometime. Um, but I can't see them. I just said that they're going to win the, the conference and I can't see them losing at home. So that's the tough thing. So I'm going to say I'm actually persuaded a little bit by Harry that they're not going to win the conference and then whoever has won the, the Kiwi conference is going to be the team to, to potentially take it out. Um, or even if the Crusaders end up knocking them off, if you had someone like the Jags at home in the grand final, they're going to win. So why don't we go something exciting? We'll go the Haguares to, to win the, the 2020 uh, Super Rugby Championship. I actually completely agree with you, Nash. I completely agree. I reckon the Haguares will win the comp next year. They've gone so close this year. They've got so much of their talent still hanging around. Uh, for me, they're going to be the best team. They're going to have an easy South African conference next year with so many players gone, and it's going to be hard to actually knock them off the top spot of the entire competition. So I see them topping the log through the regular season just because of the increased uh, competition between the Crusaders and their, their other New Zealand teams, and uh, the Hags to win. In bonus, it is. Yeah, it'll be hard if they get the home final. 
Yeah, they'll, they'll take most out of this year out of any team. I mean, Crusaders, sure, they won a, a third straight season. Um, but the Jags now have this belief that um, probably wouldn't have been as strong prior to this year. So I think that's that's going to be something that will, that will work in their favour yeah, moving look, forward. The Crusaders were the best team this year, but there's definitely more chinks in the armour this year than what there was the last two years as well. Yeah, agree. All right. It's going to be a lot more inexperience. So, so Phil, is anything else to wrap up before we uh, we move on? We've cracked the hour mark officially. Yes, no, um, I think uh, I think that pretty much does it. So, I think uh, in terms of planning, look, we we probably won't be recording a pod next week. But um, actually, I mean, we'll, if we were going to try not record anymore, just so Harry doesn't crack the fifty mark. But um, you never know. We uh, we we have always wanted to do some um, non fantasy podcasts as well, but also like you know, also talking about. Uh, Rugby Championship at the World Cup coming up, so you never know. We'll see how inspired we get, but um, there'll definitely be some more content coming, and uh, and stay tuned on the uh, the platform for sure. If I remember correctly, I think Nelson and I promised in this equivalent podcast last year that we'll definitely do the tri- the uh, Rugby Championship. So I might just say that same promise just to keep with tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, we'll see how we go. I'm, I'm keen for it if, it if it works out. So we'll right. see what the fans want. Oh, sorry, we'll see what the fan wants. Yeah. Thanks very That's much, true. guys, for listening. If you did make it this far, uh, thanks for watching Super Rugby and can't wait to move on to the international season. Stay That's bloody. F- flawless episode. They wouldn't have even known that we weren't here altogether. <laughs> Stay bloody.